Welcome to the PhD to be podcast. I am your co-host Dallas and I'm here with my other co-host Natalie. Hi. This is a podcast where we talk about all things graduate school and today's episode is going to be fun. We are going to be talking about statements of purpose. Oh, the statement of purpose. Um, I, I wish I could remember how I felt about the statement of purpose back when I was writing it, but now it sounds dreadful. <laughs> Do you I, remember? Yeah, I mean, actually, I remember, I remember thinking it was pretty dreadful when I was applying to MA programs, but I think whenever I figured out my one for the PhD, I actually like it. That's great. I think there's some things that are a little convoluted that maybe if I were to use it now, go back and edit. But um, I think for the most part, I explained myself fairly well, but good. we are going to read. I'm going to read my statement of purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll change my mind after I read it. <laughs> so let's just quickly, before we get into our specific statements of purpose and whatnot, let's just quickly define what it is. So I'm looking at an article from indeed.com titled five graduate school statements of purpose, examples and tips. And so we're going to leave this linked in the show notes so that you're able to go back and see what it is that we're looking at. But I found that this one was pretty easy to understand. I felt like we're going to cover sort of what is being talked about in this piece in our statements of purpose. So um, I just kind of want to briefly, what is a statement of purpose? So it says a statement of purpose is a short essay that a graduate school, that graduate school candidates submit as part of their application. It can provide admission teams with more information about who you are as a candidate so they can ultimately determine whether to grant you admission. Sometimes statements of purpose are also called personal statements. And so yes. they tend to kind of be the same thing, interchangeable. Right. Um, within your statement of purpose, you might discuss the experiences and accomplishments you are most proud of in greater detail than on your resume, which I think is a really good way of thinking about mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It's not your resume. It's not your CV where you sort of list all those types of things. It really goes into detail of like how those experiences, your backgrounds, your accomplishments have sort of shaped why it is that you want to do what it is that you're applying for. Mm-hmm. Um, and you explain how those experiences and accomplishments relate to the program to which you're applying. This statement offers reviewers insight into your academic career and your potential as a student at their institution. Yeah. It's a good definition. Yeah. So it kind of gives a little more to what your CV is about, more of your own studies and how they relate to the work you want to do and also why you'd be a good fit for the university you're applying to. Exactly, exactly. And with that being said, I think we do want to emphasize that our experiences and our knowledge and uh, the ways that we mentor towards statements of purpose or personal statements are obviously situated in the humanities. So um, obviously looking to mentors within uh, maybe the field that you want to apply into for graduate mm -hmm. programs is going to be even more helpful for you to figure out how you're going to do your statement of purpose. So, yeah, I would imagine the statement of purpose is not one size fits all. So what we exactly. have for our statements of purpose that we're going to read as examples today, um, or at least I'm going to for sure read mine. In I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to think about, <laughs> I'm going to think about reading mine. Yes. So we'll see how, but yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, just our statements of purpose are not necessarily going to be the same as what, you know, somebody in biology might, you know, write, they might have a different way of writing a statement of purpose that we're not familiar with. And, and that's okay. We're just here to kind of give you the, 
the overview of what our experiences were with writing a statement of purpose and what go, what went into it and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, this article kind of goes into the details of like reasons why you're applying for graduate school, which we've talked about, um, addressing your job and volunteer history, uh, which I think could be kind of interesting. And we might bring something like that up whenever we read our, our statements of purpose, but uh, it's important to highlight the careers, your skills, sort of how you've gone about using those and how you're going to connect that job, volunteer, community service history with um, the field that you've chosen. So if you're going into social work, yeah. it makes sense if you've served your right. community, you know, and things yeah. like that. And so um, here's an example. If you're pursuing a master's degree in arts administration, you could discuss why you learn what you learned while volunteering in the symphony orchestra in your city. So making that connection, just making that clear and you have the room to do that in a statement of purpose. Mm -hmm. Or if you've done any research with the university, um, at your prior institution, you know, you can mention that, um, yeah. uh, a thesis that you wrote. I know I mentioned in mine, my master's thesis, kind of an overview of what that was about. Um, yeah. 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 So anything that you've done that you can connect to why you want to attend a particular PhD program um, is useful. Yeah. 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 Internships, assistantships, mm -hmm. thesis, theses, theses. Sci? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a thesis, one thesis that you wrote. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. A notable accomplishments. Anything that you've done if you've successfully, you know, uh, or given a grant for something and like, you know, those types of things, yeah, like anything yeah. really, it's an opportunity for you to highlight and to show, um, this is what I've done and this is why I do it. And this is why I think that applying to your graduate program is going to help me in that next step. So, right. um, I feel like that really covers sort of the basis. Obviously that's going to vary on who you are and what your experiences are. So how about we jump in? Do you want me to read or did they give like five tips in the article that we want to talk about first are, or do we want to do those after um, I read like what how we want to do it? That was actually the five tips. That was it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. So I'm going to read my statement of purpose. I don't have my one from my master's um, program. So I am just going to read the one that I submitted to TCU. Um, so you'll see in my statement of purpose that it is, um, you know, I talk about professors who I'd want to work with at TCU. So it is, um, you know, edited for TCU specifically. Now I had to adjust it for each university I applied to saying like, oh, I'd like to work with this professor. Or I know that this professor does X, Y, Z. I think that would be a good fit for me if I could possibly work with this person in the future, blah, blah, blah. So you do have to kind of customize it, but you can leave a lot of some, you can leave a lot of like the general idea the same of um, like, if you talk about like a thesis, you can kind of leave that in there. You can talk about what your research interests are, can be the same, but you just want to make sure that you're tailoring it to each university. Uh, yeah, echo that. And then last, before you begin, mm -hmm. um, is this the one that got accepted that like where you submitted and then you got accepted to the program? Yes, yes. This is not Beautiful. my, because a reminder for everybody, I applied to TCU, I applied to their PhD program in 2019 for the 2020 year and I got rejected. So um, just a reminder that like this, so I applied to TCU actually a total of three times, <laughs> one for my MA, they weren't oh. accepting new MA students once for the PhD, I got rejected. And then this is my second 
time applying for the PhD program at TCU and this is the this is the round that I got accepted so Beautiful. I don't remember what I did with my old one again uh it probably wasn't as good but I think this one I remember getting help um with one of my professors with editing this one and kind of getting some feedback on it so I think this is probably this would have been the stronger one out of the two regardless so love that <laughs> go for it yes yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and get started so <clears throat> It reads, my work is interested in depictions of disability, how aesthetic representations of disability connect with the sociological issues that inundate literature that feature such characters. Though I didn't enter my MA program interested in this topic, I frequently found myself circling back to it, fascinated by the ways non-normative bodies were depicted and in the limits of representation. I kept coming back to questions of disability and writing about characters with disabilities in literature. As I found myself repeatedly returning to this topic, I recognized that this scholarly interest made sense in relation to my own personal experiences, as I have always had a close relationship with disability because my twin brother, Austin, has Down syndrome. Looking at disability and literature together allows me to combine my interest in aesthetic representations of disability in literature with the sociological issues that abound literature that include characters with disabilities. My master's thesis, Scripts, Stigma, and Disability in Fiction, explores the, effects of genre, explores the effects genre scripts have on portrayals of disability, beginning with Irving Goffman's theories of phantom normalcy and phantom acceptance. These concepts suggest that people with disabilities are expected to act normally in order to be accepted by their typical peers, yet know when they need to stop this performative act when an activity becomes impossible for them to seem normal. Goffman suggests that this is twofold. It allows the stigmatized to feel more accepted than he is and enables the non-stigmatized to extend the courtesy of treating the stigmatized that his disability is of little concern, but that these are actually false notions. An example Goffman uses is of a blind man going out dancing. Although the blind man enjoyed going out to dance, his peers felt shocked by the thought of a blind man dancing that such an activity is not suitable for a person who is blind. Therefore, people with disabilities are incapable of being fully accepted because they can never be fully normal. With this theory in mind, I looked at The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon and Flowers for Algernon by Daniel Keyes. By examining the portrayal of the two disabled main characters from each book, Christopher and Charlie, I argue that the structured worlds of their genre scripts in conjunction with their first-person narration enforces stigma about their disabilities. The characters cannot conform to these scripts, pointing to the limits of representation as a formula for thinking about portrayals of disability and empathy. In addition to my work on my thesis, I have examined disability in a number of my courses. My thinking in my thesis has been supplemented and broadened by projects completed in coursework, in courses such as children's literature, bibliography, and medical rhetoric. I explored the portrayals of disabled characters, built a digital bibliography dedicated to the connections between disability and intersectional feminism, and used comps concepts from disability rhetoric to explore the culture of rhetoric that blames mothers for having children with disabilities. During my PhD, I would like to continue this research on stigma and delve deeper into how narration plays a large role in either upholding or breaking down stigma. Narration of characters with disabilities is especially interesting to me as I think the limitations of an author's idea of disability is important in shaping and influencing typical readers' 
understanding of disabilities, as well as having people with disabilities internalize a typical author's views on disability and the repercussions of this. I'm also interested in further examining disability rhetoric so I can further examine how we, typical on those with disabilities, can break down not only the literary tropes, but understand and change our sociological understanding of disabilities and learn how to be better advocates for people with disabilities. I see my future not only devoting myself to this research, but teaching students how to be more inclusive, not just in fiction, but in their everyday lives. Teaching them that representation not only matters, but how representation is presented matters. Continuing to obtain my PhD at TCU would be beneficial because of the faculty who have interests in disability studies and health humanities. I've been in contact with Stacy McCormick after reading her article, August Wilson in the Anti-Spectacle of Blackness and Disability in Fences and Two Trains Running, where she discusses disability in these two plays and not only the effects the disabled characters have in the context of the play, but how the audience may react to such characters. This was interesting for me because since I looked into authorial and reader perspectives for my MA thesis, what a person feels privately is much different than how they may react to disability in a public setting where they are forced to acknowledge their own discomfort with disability. In addition to Dr. McCormick, Dr. Balazay, Dr. Craig, Dr. Lemon, and Dr. Harris, all have an academic interest in either disability or medical humanities or social issues. With their combined expertise, I could further delve into how these different areas in intersect with one another. Overall, I feel that I am an excellent candidate for TCU's PhD program in the English department, not only because of my passion for studying literature and disability together, but because of my ideas and fresh perspective as someone who has firsthand experience with disability, but is also on the outside of it being a typical person. I feel TCU is the best place for me to explore and delve deeper into my scholarly interests and has the most qualified faculty to help me reach the level of expertise I am aiming for, not only for myself, but for the future of disability studies and for the future impact that my research will have in the field. I appreciate any consideration to obtain my PhD at TCU. Thank you. Before you begin, like breaking it down and just that kind of stuff, I want to also emphasize... <laughs> Not only are we speaking directly into the humanities, but we're also speaking for different disciplines because mine is so different than yours. Yeah. And so you make me want to actually read mine, but I just want to make sure that we also emphasize, like, even within that, like, it's still very different. So I feel like just that's just all to say that your statement of purpose is really going to be reflective of you and what you want to do in your field. So thank you for that. Um, I hope you aren't out of breath. No, sorry. And I also want to add my statement of purpose is kind of long. Honestly, when you, I, I, I thought about that, I'm like, maybe you should have let them know. But then you read through it and then I was like, oh, she's already like halfway through the second page. So it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, but it is, it is a little, I think most statements of purpose are around two pages mm -hmm. minus three. And yeah. it's like a full three too. It is. <laughs> so it is a little longer for most statements of purpose, but um, I'm thankful great. that I had the room to write more yeah. because it is hard to write such a short um, paper. So if I was given less room, obviously there's things I would have had to cut out. Um, but in this case, I didn't have to. So that was nice. That was beautiful, by the way. Like that is an amazing statement of purpose. You should see mine. Mine's really bad. Don't say that about yourself. No negative self-talk. No, I'm not saying I'm bad. I'm saying my statement of purpose was bad. So that's different. No, it's not because <laughs> you're implying that you're bad because you wrote it. No, I'm pretty great. You but. are great, and I'm sure your statement of purpose is fine. Um, Watch. I did. Continue. 
<laughs> you silly. I did get a lot of help with my statement of purpose from oh, yeah, some of too. my paper, from uh, some of my papers, some of my um, uh, professors rather that helped me um, write this and helped me. And, and they also wrote letters of recommendation for me and things like that. So um, I was able to go to them and ask for feedback. So I got a lot of help with this. Otherwise, I don't think it would have been as polished. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, well. But Yes, I, I think all of this is still true. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not working with some of the professors that I listed in the um, statement of purpose. And I think that's really the only main difference. I think I've pretty much stuck to um, most of what I said in the statement of purpose. I am working with Dr. McCormick. I talk about her frequently on this podcast. So um, that is still true. I have also worked with Dr. Craig. That's true. Um, the others that I mentioned, I haven't really worked with, um, but that's okay. Um so, but yeah, everything else I said, I still am passionate about and I still study. I've, I've shifted gears, uh, in some ways, but some things are still the same, like looking at, um, literary, uh, like looking at narration and things like that are all still pretty the same and things that I want to continue going forward. I like that I was able to include a little bit of background about my own personal experience with disability. Um, so if you have something like that where you can kind of weave in your personal experience, don't feel like you can't do that. Um, I wasn't going to do that. And then one of my professors at A&M was like, no, the reason why you study, why you're passionate, passionate about this is so important. You need to include it. So I'm really glad that I got that piece of advice. Um, she was probably one of the only professors that would have told me like, yes, absolutely. You should include more of your personal experience. I don't think a lot of the others would have necessarily been on board with that. Um, but I'm really glad that she told me like, no, you need to include that. It's really important. So, um, cause it just kind of situates yourself in the field that you're looking towards. So, um, yeah, overall, I think this was a really nice statement of purpose. Um, you know, I kind of give an overview of my studies, how I came to be interested. I give an overview of my master's thesis. I kind of talk about some coursework I did. So even though those things, yeah, if you haven't done a master's thesis or you haven't done, you know, or even if you haven't done like a big capstone project, if you're going into an MA or something, if you can speak to even just work you did in coursework is really important. If you don't really have anything tangible, um, like internships or something like that. If there's something you did in a course that you can include, that's really helpful. Just anything that you can say to show that you have done work in a specific area, no matter how small, there's never, there's never anything too small. Um, and then of course, after that, I I get into who I would like to work with and why I want to go to TCU. So that's kind of the main points of the statement of purpose. I think, who are you as a scholar? What have you done? What do you want to continue to do and who do you want to work with and why are you a good fit or like all the main important things that you want to talk about in your statement of purpose. Beautiful. I think you summed it up exactly the way that I would. Um, But just, yeah, I mean, all of that was amazing. I was going to say you also quoted scholars, which I thought was really cool. Yes. I think especially for my MA thesis, it was really um, sort of a, interesting project that I think it it really like started with that whole Irving Goffman thing of this idea of like fant quote unquote phantom normalcy and quote unquote phantom acceptance and that was really like the starting point for my master's thesis because I thought that was a really interesting concept and then combining that concept with this idea of like genre scripts which like when we think of genre scripts you might think of like the hero's journey or um um 
uh, a detective uh, story or something, mm-hmm. something that kind of follows a specific formula, right? Gotcha. Yeah. That's what I mean by genre script. So that was by another um, scholar whose name I'm blanking on now. Oopsie. Um, but I kind of used those two two scholars my, were my main jumping off points to talk about flowers for Algernon and curious incidents. So I felt like it was important, especially to bring in the Irving Goffman to, to situate where my thesis um, the main argument of my thesis was coming from. And I think without having that, my thesis, ex- the explanation of my thesis in my statement of purpose wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have been as clear. I felt like I needed that. So if you have a scholar that you have, you know, looked into their work that you might want to quote, cause it might help situate a project you did. That's really important. If you've read a particular scholar at the university you're applying to that you want to work with, like I talked about reading, uh, Dr. McCormick's, um, article on um two trains running and fences so those are like also important things because it shows like hey i've looked into the scholar i've read their work um that can be really important too mm-hmm. yeah and and on that note i think i think a lot of the times the statement of purpose also needs to be a statement which kind of proves that you're not just going into this program without knowing what it's like like obviously because then you go in there and you're surprised and you might say well why didn't nobody tell me it's like no that's part of the research that you have to do on your end and so proving that and and showing that in your statement of purpose is is huge yeah like hey i looked into this person i want to work with them i know what their work is um that kind of helps yeah that shows the university that you know who you want to work with and you know why they're important and you know why you want to work with them um, and and you can find all that information on the um, on the university's uh, faculty page. It'll it usually will list um, their publications or you or their or their CV something that you can go and access and see. Okay, what have they published? And then you can go on the you know library database and you know read up on it, look it up, um, find those articles. Uh, so so then so you can you can look at them. They're they're there for you to for for you to find out about. So. A lot of professors also have their own personal websites where they post, um, you know, all of their publications, books that that are coming out, books that have come out, different articles they've written. So all of those are resources to you when you are trying to research a particular professor that you might be interested in working with at a particular university. Yeah, and um, this also just goes to show like how graduates graduate programs function differently just because like if you don't do research on the institution and on the specific people that you might want to be working with like this is an opportunity for you to waste time like there's money on the line like they're giving out these you know fully funded programs and so they really want to know that you know what you're going getting into yeah yeah and if you read a particular work by professor and you really connect with it and you think I really do want to work with this professor you can always email them as well and say like hey I'm thinking of applying to the university um could we have a zoom meeting or a phone conference or something where you can kind of ask that person all about the institution and get their own thoughts of course um I you know I would hope that you know a professor says good things about the program and good things about the institution, but um, since they work there. Uh, but I remember I had a phone conference with Dr. McCormick the first time I applied to TCU, and she told me all about you know the way TCU functions and the way the English program functions and all of that. So um, I had kind of been able to touch base with her and everything, and, which was really nice. So that also could be a resource to you. Should I read mine? Go for it. I want to hear it. <sighs> okay. If you don't want to, you don't have to. No, it's just so cringe. I might edit it as I go through. Give me a second. Let me get my laptop. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, this one's the one that I submitted to TCU, which I obviously got accepted for. So it's a good one. All right, it says for consideration into the, T- uh, the PhD program in rhetoric and composition. Ooh, wait, so you gave yours a title? I mean, kind of? it's kind of like, you know how you say, Dear Dallas. It's kind of okay, like what it's just said statement of purpose no, on top. No, no, no. <laughs> I say, I remember when I was introduced to the term first generation college student, I was in my first semester of the master's program at Oklahoma State University, and I thought, hey, that's me. My parents never went to college, and so like all first generation college students, I struggled with various things when it came to applying to universities, registering for classes, applying for financial aid, and lack of familiar support were some of the things that I dealt with, but I did not complain about it. It was not until I took a second to really understand the term first generation that I acknowledged, that I started to acknowledge the struggles that I experienced. This term was introduced to me when I was working with writers at the OSU Writing Center, where writer identities are a big topic of discussion. Because of this, I began to question how it is that certain aspects of a student's identity impact their college experience, but more specifically, how it impacts their writing and how they view themselves as writers. This new perspective on students not only allowed me to question the writers of our center and those in my classroom, but it also allowed me to address my own experiences as a first-generation Mexican-American student in academia. As the program went on during the first semester or so, I realized that literature was not the path I would continue after I earned my master's degree. I began the program as a writing center tutor, but in the spring semester, I was given my own first-year composition course, and I immediately felt like I belonged in that role. My love for working with students and teaching writing has led, has led me to want to pursue a PhD in rhetoric and composition. By taking several courses in rhetoric and composition and being an assistant director of the OSU Writing Center, I found myself being able to pursue those conversations about student identities and writing spaces and how we can better serve students overall. As of right now, the student populations I'm most interested in working with are first generation student veterans and student athletes. My interest in these populations came as a result of many things. Most importantly, I want to work with students who do not feel like they belong in academia or those who may feel excluded or marginalized. My interest also came as a result of the various professional development opportunities I participated at OSU. I began as a writing center consultant, transitioned into a first into a composition one and composition two instructor. Then I was offered an opportunity to be an assistant director of the writing center. Later, I took on an additional I took on additional work as a writing tutor for student athletes. During my last semester at OSU. Through working in the academic services for student-athletes, I was offered an opportunity to be a football facilitator. Although I participated in many things, all of my interests reach one common denominator, my desire to work with students. Students motivate me to continue learning, researching, and strengthening my pedagogy. In fact, my service and dedication to teaching is the biggest reason for wanting to pursue a PhD in rhetoric and composition. I care about students deeply, and I believe that by pursuing a PhD, I can become a better instructor, but also be a part of a larger conversation as a writing program administrator, whether that be as a writing center director or a director of a first-year composition program. As a part of my overarching goal, I would like to continue working with student populations mentioned earlier, but I also have other interests such as transferability, reflection, and outcomes for first-year composition, tutor and instructor training, and working-class students. Some of the scholars I have enjoyed reading and will continue to do so in my research are Kathleen Blake Yancey, Harry Denny, and Asia Martinez, to name a few. Martinez in particular writes in conversation where I can see myself uh, being a part of in the future. If accepted into the PhD program at Texas Christian University, I see myself exploring even further the intersections of working class identities and first generation college students as well as my other interests. 
In order to continue cultivating my skills, I believe TCU would have a strong role in this process. Two professors at TCU that I can envision, envision myself working with are Charlotte Hogue and Carrie Leverance. Not only are they in rhetoric and composition, but their research interests lie in composition theory and writing program and administration. More specifically, their research is in conversation to the content I have studied during my master's program. Dr. Leverance's discussions on outcomes and Dr. Hogue's feminist lens Lens are two focuses that I, would, I continue to use in my own research. I believe that Dr. Hogue and Dr. Leverance and their research interest will help support me in my larger overarching goals during and after the PhD program. Thank you for your consideration. Sincerely, Natalie Cantero. This is pre-Natalie <laughs> Dixon. <laughs> I love that. No, I. it is different from mine in so many ways. Yeah. And I'm sure that was actually harder for you to write because you were coming from a literature background so you're like you couldn't really speak to any work that you had done necessarily like as part of coursework or anything like that you could I mean you had plenty of things to talk about right with your experience teaching in in the writing center but I didn't even think about the fact like oh Natalie didn't like enter into her MA as rhetoric and composition so it's not like you wrote a whole thesis in rhetoric and composition that you could like point to you had just like your work experiences that you were having to rely on more heavily which is a totally different experience than what my statement of purpose relied heavily on my thesis right um and explaining that and how that was connected to my interest in disability study so actually that was really interesting to hear because I didn't think about it until once you started reading I was like oh wait Natalie was a lit person like and it's so funny because when before we started recording, Dallas and I were talking about how like we had gotten help on our our statements of purpose. And I was like, I don't remember getting help, but I lied to Dallas because I'm now remembering <laughs> I'm now remembering after, you know, reading it that I did get help. I went to the writing center and I asked her name is Morgan. She was like a year under me in the program or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she said, I wanna know why you aren't doing literature anymore because they're going to question what made the switch Mm -hmm. and so I that's why I said like after a year or like a semester so I realized that I wasn't going to do it because of teaching yeah that was a really good piece of advice that she gave you and said you know why are you not doing literature anymore um because that kind of helped explain like why ret comp why writing center um studies why first year composition studies like it really explained like, hey, I thought I really was into literature, but after working in the writing center and after working with student athletes and learning about what it means to be a first generation student, it really changed my whole perspective, right? Like exactly. that's really important information for them to know because it shows like that light bulb moment that goes off for us as scholars. Like, cause I kind of talk about that as not in the same context, but of course I'm like, why was I coming back to disability studies mm-hmm. over and over again? It's like, duh you have a brother with downs like of course Mm -hmm. it's like a really important topic to you it's close to your heart and you you know and I never knew that I could combine literature and disability before so that was like a really like light bulb moment that went off for me personally where I was like oh I can do that whereas you kind of had that light bulb moment of like oh I don't like literature but I like writing studies I can do that you know yeah 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 and I think um Obviously, I feel like mine's a little bit more like I I talk about like being a first generation college student and like sort of that realization and just like I kind of I don't want to use the word like or like the phrase like I kind of played into that. But like that was it was funny because as I was thinking, as I was hearing you talk about yours or you listen to yours, you read yours. um, 
I was thinking about how the first draft of my personal statement I sent to, to Dr. Sikari, she was the writing center director at the time, and she said, I want you to talk about like your identity as a first generation college student in your personal statement. And I was like, okay. And so I had yeah. to include that in yeah. there. And so obviously it was really important for her, for for me to get feedback or else I wouldn't have been able to say that. But like, it obviously was something that became clear to me later. And so, you know, like yeah. that's the way that I start my piece and like how that then trickled down to say, okay, that was a part of the larger conversation we were having in the writing center about writing and identities and experiences and how all of that shapes the way that you mm-hmm. respond, react, write. Right. So um, I really appreciated that piece of feedback because I feel like, you know, it really led me into like a smooth transition into everything yeah. that I wanted to say. Yeah. And don't let the statement of purpose, because it is sort of a vulnerable piece of writing where you are talking about yourself and it's hard don't let that stop you from going to a professor you trust or the writing center and asking for feedback because like honestly it was it's really helpful to get feedback on on certain things where you know I had feedback about certain things that they thought I should include like my own personal connection to disability um Natalie you know got feedback and you know like she just said that, you know, they told her like, why did you leave literature? Why, you know, you need to include more about your identity because that's really an important aspect of your own experience and why this is important. So, you know, had we not gone to people for feedback, um, we wouldn't have had a strong of statements of purpose. I don't think. I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm a huge writing is inherently collaborative Mm -hmm. and I think that you should, Reach out to someone that you trust and you feel yeah. comfortable with. Even if it's just a friend, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who can kind of give you that feedback and say, okay, I, I see what you're doing here, but what about this? Or yeah. like, why don't you answer this question or, you know, something. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I feel like our statements of purpose are really reflective of who we are. Kind of like mm-hmm. Dallas said earlier, like, I feel the same way about mine. Like, I feel like this is still very much what I do. I mean, I, the the types of... Uh, identities have changed a little bit. Like I don't have as much of an opportunity to work with student veterans here at TCU or um, uh, like working class students because there's not a lot of working class students here, but like graduate students or other populations, I still work with student athletes to this day. And so I still feel like these are very good and reflective of who we are. And so whenever you go to that person for that mentorship and asking them to read it for you, I would say is, is this, reflective of who I am and what you know about me and is there something more I can say and connect it back to everything else that the statement of purpose needs yeah yeah um I also still I still work with Dr. Leverance and Dr. Hoag so I kind of love that that's in there I mean I knew I knew that it was in there but I was just like fun to actually see that yeah um but but yeah I actually you know I'm pretty proud of it like reading it through and like looking back it wasn't cringe i thought it was gonna be cringe i did edit a little bit in the beginning because the language is not so good but that's okay i actually now that i think about it i'm like i think i think what i'm satisfied with is just knowing that like this does speak to who i am to this Mm -hmm. day and that doesn't mean you can't change and change interests and whatnot but i I mean it feels good to be able to say like no yeah i really turned in a thing that really was reflective of who i am and what i'm interested in i wish i still had my a and m one because it's night and day difference night and day yeah i don't have you're talking about for phd right 
No, like from statement you... of purpose for like my MA, oh, going okay. into the MA, because it's night and day difference. Because I was going yeah. into the MA sort of like, I'm not really totally sure, but here's some things I'm interested in. Here's a project I did. Um, here's some professors I think are interesting at A&M. Um, but other than that, but like disability was not mentioned at all. So it's really interesting how that that cha- that shift happened over time of the MA and how like I really figured out like what I wanted to do. So can I tell a quick story about mine for my masters? Yeah. Okay, so I also don't have mine for my masters cuz I had a different computer then, kind of like probably in your situation. Yeah. Um so I don't have them. Can I tell you a story of the statement of purpose that I wrote for Oklahoma State for my masters? Yes. Okay. So a little bit of a backstory. So I had a professor and who was helping me write, you know, prepare for grad programs and whatnot. And he's like, you need to apply to a school out, out of the state. And I was like, I can't afford that. Like, I could barely afford being here. And I was commuting. And he's like, just do it. I was like, okay, fine. I'll apply to one. And so I was trying to think, I was like, you know, how far north do I want to go? And I was like, you know, I really like, I really like Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State. <laughs> And I'm a big college football fan. If you are also a college football fan, you know who Mike Gundy is. He is a character. We're actually friends. Um, he's so nice. Um, awesome, awesome dude. So, you know, so that kind of like uh, interested me in being a, in, in looking into the school. Mm-hmm. You're like laughing. I'm laughing because it's just so you. <laughs> so, you know, that is, <laughs> so that interested me in like looking at the school. And so when I looked you know, into the English program and whatnot. I was like, actually, I kind of really like like this. Like, they were going to offer me an opportunity to teach, which obviously I did end up getting it. So it was a great, like, uh, it was really nice that I actually, like, went into that. And obviously, I'm really grateful that um, Oklahoma State was a part of the plan, but it kind of started off with Mike Gundy, just kind of, you know, and so on <laughs> and so forth. So, so okay. So I'm writing the letter, the statement of purpose, and I don't have it, so I can't actually read it to you, but I remember in the statement of purpose, <laughs> I wrote that school spirit is a big deal for me. And it was. I mean, yeah, it is. it um, is. And like I was at University of Houston, school spirit was really big, you know, for me there. And so I was like, you know, school spirit is really important to me. And I said something along the line. I name dropped. I was like, you know, Mike Gundy's at OSU, like he made me really passionate about like wanting to go there. Like school spirit is really big for me. And so like, I want to feel passionate about the school that I'm going to. <laughs> and so it pretty much was like, my, I like Mike Gundy and he makes <laughs> me want to go there. That's amazing. And I, I mean, I put that in there and it worked. So school like, spirit is so important. You know what this tells me? This tells me that if you would have grown up in like the land of Aggies, you would have been an amazing Aggie. Probably so. You would have been an amazing Aggie. Thank you. Even though that also feels like an insult. It's not an insult. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, I don't mean it as <laughs> no, an no, no, insult. No, no, no. I mean it like Natalie would have been like the best Aggie. Oh, I agree. I mean, to be fair, my husband got me into college football. But I was the one who kind of like figured out like how school spirited. No, but I agree. Yeah. I think no matter what institution I would be at, I'd be very school spirited. Oh, so. yeah. Natalie's very school spirited. I... I'm school spirited for the schools I go to and proud of the schools I've gone to. And that's about where my loyalty and school spirit lies. I love that. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. That's amazing. I love that. But you know what? I love that you put that in there, even though it's like funny, like looking back, like I love that you did that. I think it's important because school spirit is important. And like 
we need professors to encourage school spirit like we do it's important i think i remember yeah. i had professors that like at ul we had a wear red on fridays like that was a big thing and i had teachers who would give bonus points if you wore red on friday yeah. um now do i own anything red no but i got a couple i got had a, i found a couple t-shirts yeah <laughs> that yeah. i could wear red um because if you know me you know like i only wear black so True. i say it all the time um but anyway, I love that. I love that. I love that you included it. Like school spirit's totally important and you want to be passionate about the school you're going to. Like I right. love that you included that. And again, like it just speaks to your character too. Like it's so you. you exactly. Know? And and that's why I wanted to bring up like, yes, it's a funny story, but I also just feel like it's really reflective of who I am and like why I want to go to that institution. Because at the end of the day, like it's like, why do you want to be there? Like what, yeah. what, what, is, how does this school and how does this program fit into your personal goals? And that's what I did. Yeah. And so I don't regret it. No, and I got in. So I was like, whatever. It. We should tag Mike Gundy on our Instagram page when we post this episode. Oh my gosh. He's going to be like, what the heck? He won't even look at it. But if he would, it would be so funny. Yeah. I've changed my name since. So he probably wouldn't remember. Oh, yeah. He'd have I to love, see a picture. I love Natalie Cantero at the end of your, <laughs> at the end of your uh, statement. Of Different time. Amazing. Different time. But, but anyway, I mean, that's, that's our insight into statements of purpose. Do you have anything else you, we want to add? I don't think so. I just, I want to reiterate, like, depending on what school you're applying to, you definitely want to check up what their guidelines are on the statement of purpose. You might have more wiggle room with one university and not so much with a diff, with another one. So, um, you know, be mindful of, of that. Um, I guess I was allowed to have a three page one for TCU because it's three pages. Um, so I don't know how I was able to get away with that unless it says in their guidelines that it can be up to three because mine was three but that's really rare I think I don't know I mean at the end of the day just making sure that you abide by whatever rules they have and you know using those yeah. to your advantage if it's three pages take advantage of it yeah, you know take like, advantage of it because you the more you can like say and explain like the better it's really hard to hit those high notes in such a short paper so you want to make sure you're using your word count wisely yeah also just something I would recommend that we mentioned earlier. So I just want to emphasize, like find someone that you trust that can look at your statement of purpose and look for samples, see what other people are mm -hmm. doing. Even in that article that I started reading they earlier when they're five, they had examples, they had five examples from different disciplines too. And so um, there's nothing wrong with finding an example yeah. and, and modeling it off of you modeling yours off of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get, yeah. get help, make, make this process easier yeah. for you. And sometimes you, if you have a professor you're close with, sometimes they'll even like say like, here's my statement of purpose from when I applied to grad school and you know, so, so you, you, you'll be able to find examples and kind of model your own off of some examples you might read, or maybe you read one and you're like, I think that's, that wasn't good. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, you never know. Just read, read around, kind of see what the formatting is like and what people are saying in theirs. And of course we just read ours. So Ours are also examples out in the world now. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's all I really have to say about statements of purpose. They can be kind of tricky, but I think once you find the right, it, it'll it, you might have to go through a couple of um, rounds of edits before you get it really where you want to. Um, and I think you know it 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 might be easier for you to kind of word vomit it and just like write as much as you want and then go back and edit out later and refine. That way you can get it down. Um, yeah, that might be helpful. I think that's kind of what I did. I think I just wrote everything I wanted to say and then went back and like 
refined some things and took some things out or like combined some things that so it wasn't taking up as much of that word count um that could be helpful for some of you yeah. out there yeah you once you find the 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 flow and and everything you'll be good you'll you'll know whenever you'll feel it whenever you're like okay this feels right like you'll know yeah and at the end of the day as long as it's reflective of who you are and why this institution and these professors work towards your uh your ultimate goal that's all that matters make sure you're not writing one that you think is going to that that doesn't sound like you right that's going to impress mm-hmm. them like you impress them with your accomplishments and the things that you've done and, and and you're great and so you know like this is why you're wanting to go and continue your greatness and growing in that so as long as it's still reflective of who you are and w- your goals then you've done exactly what you've needed to do exactly i agree yeah and then before we sign off, do we want to give a little preview of what the next episode's going to be? I'm not going to be on it. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. going out of, I'm going to be out of town. She's going to be gone, y'all. going to be gone. <laughs> um, so next episode after this one should be an episode with my friend Mark. Him and I are going to talk about the emotional toll of comprehensive exams. So obviously a topic that Dallas can't speak to just yet. And so I figured why not take this opportunity to talk about it with someone who's gone through both of us who've gone through it and so that's gonna be Ooh, next episode it's a great one yeah you might need to listen to it after and it's there's gonna be one on burnout too right yes the burnout one is gonna come out before this one actually oh okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. i can't remember what order like we're in anymore yeah yeah um, it's okay you'll be able to see it on the app yeah. or you know google podcast apple podcast wherever you listen you'll be able yeah. to see them in I'm order excited. yeah so sorry i won't be on those but they're gonna be great I'm really excited to listen to the ones that I'm not going to be a part of. Sorry that I won't be on them. If you're curious, it's, if Dallas it's just, is your favorite, no, <laughs> I don't mean it like that. No, I'm I totally just, kidding. I just want to. I just want to give a warning that I won't be on the next couple because I will be out of town. I was out of town when Natalie recorded the one on burnout, and mm-hmm. I'll be out of town when she records the one on the exams, which I'm really excited to hear because I'm going through that process right now. now. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see like what y'all talk about yeah so. and we're gonna miss you we're gonna, <laughs> miss, gonna you. miss you too we're, it's been yeah. a weird summer it's been a busy summer of me yeah. just kind of like going out of town a lot so we'll have to do a end of summer reflection or something yes, like that so that, that we can talk about fun. everything yeah 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 so i'm excited just had a lot going on so yeah yeah well then that's gonna wrap up today's episode thank you so much for listening to this episode we hope that it was helpful if you have any tips um let's say that you are a grad student currently and you have any tips that um were really helpful for you when you were writing your statement of purpose or personal statement um please go ahead and email us at the phd2b podcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on instagram as well um at the phd2b podcast We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.